Hello, hello, hello. Today we are going to talk about, you know, the childhood cold and flu season. Now, this is really, really important, obviously, because it's our children and it's the community's children, right? And helping their immune system uh, become stronger and knowing how to deal with it. If you have been around for a little bit and you know me, uh, you know that Tylenol is not something that I really believe in. Um, it's not just because it can cause other issues like autism and things like that. It's, that's not, I, I don't want to say like the direct reason, because uh, I guess it kind of follows through to that. But there's much more implications that go when we do reach for Tylenol all the time. Uh, so, something that I saw recently is someone posted on their stories uh, and they said uh, they had like two bottles of Vulcan and three bottles of Tylenol and we have two kids and they were like it's that season again right and I'm here to tell you that that is not necessary I'm absolutely not judging you if right now you are that person you're watching this and you're listening to this and you're like, shoot, like that's, that's me. You know, like I, I am always reaching for Tylenol and Motrin. We're going to bust some myths today on temperature and fevers and how long can a child actually go with a fever and what is that magical number of a fever without causing hallucinations and other issues. Right. And we're going to talk about, of course, gut health and the development of their gut and how important it is for them to actually go through an illness. This is a big thing and we are going to talk about society and we are going to talk about school policies and we are going to get a little spicy here. So let's just get to it. So first and foremost, Tylenol, Motrin, the fever reducers have got to stop, okay? The fever reducers, a child can actually go to, if you're in the US, uh, to 104 fever consistently for 36 hours. That means they never break under 104 for 36 consistent hours. That's how long a child's body can actually handle a fever, a very high fever, and also be okay. Okay. And when I say be okay, I'm talking hallucinations. I'm talking about all the fears that we have around fevers. 104. Okay. So in that reality that we live in, it's hard. I have two children of my own. They're four and two. It's hard to really watch your kid be sick. And it's also hard to take the day off from work. Okay. I get that 1000%. And especially now, post pandemic, post COVID, quote unquote closed, right? Because we never know what's going to happen with that. Right. Uh, but especially this new society that we're living in and our kids are growing up in. There still is no reason to. In that aspect, uh, understanding that a child can have a 104 fever and consistently. Now, this is the next point that I want to make is that when I say consistently, they never break it. Not like they have 104 and then it goes down to 100 or 102. Never breaks 104 for 36 hours. That's what I mean, okay? If your child does have 104 for over, and you're getting close to that 36, 36 hour range, right? If you're like pushing 33, 34 hours, then I would introduce Tylenol. But the recommendation on a, on a Tylenol and a Motrin, any fever reducer, uh, they're a little bit skewed. 
because they say age range. And in fact, they do. Yes. But I also want you to take in consideration what your child is eating and if they're actually eating. Most kids, I know my kids, uh, for, for one example, they're not really hungry. And my kids are very good eaters, okay? They're not really hungry. They're not moving a lot. They're not doing a lot. So I would, this is like kind of like rule of thumb. If, for example, my, my son, he's four. And at four, I think they put like one cup, I think, right? I actually do half of that, okay? And I keep the same hours. So they say about every two to three hours. So that's what I would do. But I would do the, the age under, okay? Please keep this in mind. It is so important that you follow these guidelines in order to help their body in both ways. It's helping them to also understand how to reduce a fever because let's, let's actually talk about that too. The fever, a fever, doesn't matter if you're a child, adult, a newborn. It's telling you that something is foreign and that something is wrong. When they are small, they can spike a fever very often because the world is new to them, right? The only thing that they knew was the womb. And now they're in the world with so many other germs, with so many other stressors, with so many other environmental changes. And those things can actually cause the homeostasis to say, hey, there's something foreign and there's something here that I don't know how to deal with. So I'm going to spike a fever. That includes teething, it includes new foods, it includes the plethora of things that are just ever changing, especially in newborn to toddler stage. Okay. These things are brand new. If, if you're, if yes, it is a hundred percent, like you can say, you know what, my child is going to a brand new school. My child is going to a brand new daycare. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every child and every human actually has their own germs. And in fact, germs are its own stabilization of the gut microbe. So if you are worried, that let's say as an example, hey, my child is sick and I have to give them antibiotics, which we're gonna mention antibiotics here. If your child has to do that, again, I would really go a more natural route. Again, not because I don't believe in antibiotics, okay? But the way that antibiotics are just being prescribed left and right to kids, newborn, adults, it's like, it, you know, it's like candy, right? And I'm just not for that. Antibiotics at a certain point and a certain level of your own health, and this starts from when we are young, at a point, our body is going to need stronger and stronger and stronger antibiotics. So if your child is sick often, I would try to attempt to go the natural route. Again, immediately my brain went, okay, but what if, what if the parents can't be home with that? What if you know, there's situations on top of situations. And I highly, highly, highly suggest and recommend that you do what is best for your family. If your child is sick on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, well, you're in luck, right? Maybe you have to only do a half day off work or try to figure something out between you and your partner and try to go that route. What I'm trying to say is if you need to go to the doctor, be very firm about the antibiotic rule that you have. Hey, you know what? I really don't want to do antibiotics. And this is the big thing too. This again, I'm a mom of four and a two-year-old. And my kids have had ear infections and my kids have been sick. And this was last summer, they had ringworm and all that, right? And through all the things that my kids have been through already, not once have they taken antibiotics, not because I'm like, oh my God, who am I? And I'm saying, oh my God, blah, 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 right? It's not that I'm like proud of saying that. It's that I hope that others can do the same 
Because what I am learning and what I'm seeing with my own kids is that there are more and more parents saying, okay, well, aren't you going to give antibiotics for, it's almost like this like immediate response of, hey, aren't you going to do this? Aren't you going to do that? And it's like, no, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you here in a, in a minute what we are going to do. Okay. And, and what we do do. Okay. Now we're going to go back to antibiotics. So the more antibiotic uses that we have, the higher dosage and the stronger antibiotics we need until we get to a point where antibiotics are literally just ineffective, where now we have to be hospitalized. Now we have to do other things where this immune system to know what to do. This is why it is important. It is important, it is necessary to literally let your kids be sick. Let them have a runny nose. Let them have a cough. Let them do those things, okay? Let them have it, kind of go through it. In the meantime, and if you want to get your notebook out or however you want to do this, but this is really, really valuable information I'm about to say here. In the meantime that they are sick, it's not necessarily that you have to give them multivitamins before they're sick. Or if you are that parent that like, yeah, my kids take multivitamins for their immune system. That's not necessarily helping. In fact, uh, this past summer, I did a whole entire course on updates on supplements. And the class was actually hosted by the CDC. So that was very interesting. We had a few professionals talk from the FDA. And they were actually saying that multivitamins are now a black box warning. Multivitamins, that includes for kids too, plus prenatals, okay? Black box warning, if you don't know what that is, black box warning is... Kind of like the, like, hey, this is not safe for you. Take at your own risk warning. So we have got, we are living in such a different time right now. And all the things that are happening within the supplement world, within the advice for, for illness, for kids, it really does affect a whole new generation. And to be completely honest, I'm being honest and transparent here, is to really see could this be the generation that has the biggest effect on epigenetics? And this is the question that I ask myself often, especially with my own kids, but also the kids that I see. I'm going to give you a, a real quick scenario and story here in a bit, but I really just wonder that because epigenetics is really the genetics that they, they adapt. They adapt to the environment, right? And I talked about this in our earlier episode where I kind of mentioned that as an example, the melatonin in skin, that's actually an epigenetic. So people that are African-American or people that are from Norway, right? Like that's actually epigenetics that that's why melatonin is more active in African-Americans or in Africans and why melatonin is, you know, skin is transparent, right? For those that are from Norway or the Northern European countries or will be sent up, right? And that's epigenetics. And this can all boil down. You can take this as, okay, this is like historical. This is biblical. This is, you can, you on your own can, can divide that however you want. Okay. But what I'm going to say here is that epigenetics is very, very real. And one of the ways that we end up having our genetics, genetics be adapted by our environment is doing those things like giving your kid Tylenol every single time they pass a hundred, you know, a hundred as for a fever, right? That's not ideal. Again, please keep track of, you know, how many hours has passed by and how high is that temperature? They can deal it. it and, and I'm sure right now someone's thinking, hey, but you know what? My child has had 102 for five days. 
it's okay. Keep them hydrated. And this is what I was going to say earlier, and then we kind of got off on a tangent. So the supplements, if you are a parent that you are giving them multivitamins, I don't really recommend it, not just because it's a black box warning, but because you're not doing much in terms of nutrients. If you are a parent and you are worried that your child is not eating the correct and the right amount of vitamins or food, or you have picky eaters on your hands, then I would actually talk to a nutritionist uh, or a pediatrician that you trust and that really knows you and your family and your vo- and your values and your morals. I'd really talk to them and see what is the best route. A lot of times, multivitamins is not the answer. It's more specific vitamins like zinc or calcium or magnesium and all the different types of magnesium because there are so many different types of magnesium and each one has its own role. You got to figure out which one works for your child and for your family, okay? Now, that's the whole kind of like supplement uh, side of this, okay? So if you are worried, if you are taking multivitamins or you're giving your kids multivitamins with the hopes that their immune system becomes stronger so they are not sick, again, I don't really recommend that. So here are like four things to to kind of jot down here. I want to give you a rule of thumb. Rule number one, try to increase their broth. Making broth is very, very simple. Get a some sort of, if you are a vegetarian family, you can do this with just a bunch of veggies, add some water, a dash of salt, and let it all boil together for around two to three hours. You can do it for six hours. You can also, you know, do a bunch of other stuff. You could have other veggie combinations, but I want to keep this simple. I want to keep this as simple and as clear and as clean cut as possible because parenthood is so difficult, right? And now, oh, here's another episode about my kid and sick and whatever. So I want to make this very, very easy. You can have whatever veggies you want. I typically do at least three veggies, if not more, if you are doing a veggie broth. If you are not vegetarian or a vegan family and you do do meat products, um, but I really would recommend you doing any meat with a bone in, maybe not pork because they don't sweat. And I don't, I just, that's just a personal thing <laughs> that I don't think that's, that's necessarily okay. Cause they can't get rid of toxins, right. As, as good as, you know, a cow or a chicken or a turkey. Right. So that would be that, but you know, you get some tricky legs or some tricky drumsticks or a chicken drumsticks or a whole chicken or some, some lamb shanks. You know, if, if that's, if you guys like that taste, we like that taste. I do it. So that's what we do sometimes. But you can do a uh, beef with any that, that's in bone in beef meat, right? So anything like that would work in three veggies. I really recommend the root veggies, such as onion, celery, and carrots, because that's going to really have high zinc. It's going to have high, uh, high calcium. It's going to have a lot of these micronutrients that so often get missed because we are just living that more of a like a busy lifestyle right so that would be number one infuse the broth in so that was like making the broth and i'm going to tell you how to infuse that you can infuse it in rice you can infuse if they like mac and cheese infuse it with the macaroni when you are boiling it infuse it they're not going to taste it and if they do it's actually more tastier right because it has that like it it almost rings like a like a smoky creamy taste I don't know. That's how I describe it. <laughs> if you do infuse 
if you don't use your pastas or your rices or anything like that, let us know what it tastes like to you. But that's what we do in, in my family. That's what I tell my clients to do, and they do it. And that's all handy dandy. I mean, it is fine. No one has ever like complained <laughs> complained of that, um, especially with families that have picky eaters. So infuse it like that. You can also infuse it with potatoes if you guys have if you. Like I said, and, I, and I'm thinking for the picky eater uh, children, right? You can say, hey, you know what? Let's infuse some broth and let's make some potatoes and we can put them in the oven. So what you're going to do is you're going to cut the potatoes however you wish. And you can put all the seasonings that you wish. I really do recommend doing unrefined salt, which that can be for another time. But add some unrefined salt, right? And maybe some pepper, maybe some paprika if you want, right? Whatever you want, right? And then just kind of like drizzle over some broth. Not too much because then you're going to get like mashed potatoes in the oven, right? But that would be a great snack or a great side or even a great meal for some kids, right? And that's okay. The whole point of this is to really up the diversity. So if you have, and, and I'm specifically talking more or less to, to, the, to the family that has the picky eaters, this is going to help you tremendously. If you can infuse broth in in their daily meals, and it's so simple too, you just drizzle some of some potatoes, or you just put, you know, maybe like like a cup of of broth uh, plus the water with your rice or your macaroni or your pasta or whatever it may be. You can also do this in what I call packed in meat. You can add in broth if you're doing like homemade chicken tenders. So what you're gonna do, so oh, homemade chicken tenders or meatballs or things like that. I call them packed in because it's something that you literally have to pack in, right? So here's how I do it. So with the chicken tenders, as an example, you can have, so I use uh, my, this is my chicken tender recipe that I give to literally everyone. Um, and now I'm about to give it to you. So what you do is you have some yogurt and you have some breadcrumbs. You can have homemade breadcrumbs, which that's really simple to make, or you can get some that are just plain. The, the big thing about breadcrumbs is to get breadcrumbs that are plain. So none of like with the extra seasoning, nothing like that, because we're about to add in seasoning. And so what you're going to do is have some yogurt and some breadcrumbs. And then if you want some chicken breast, or you can even do this with uh, a chicken drumstick or a turkey drumstick, you could do this like that too. You can even do this with fish as well, if your family likes fish. So what are you going to do? You're going to, and then you're going to have like kind of like an old, more like an open bowl. Um, you know, the, the, you know, the plate that your plate, but they look like a bowl. Yeah. Those ones. Okay. Have some broth in there and you're going to do, you're going to put the meat, you're going to kind of let it get soaked in the broth and then you're going to put it in the yogurt and then put it in the breading and then put it on the pan. Again, this is if you want to bake. And maybe this is, this is another side note. If you are making a bigger meal and you don't want to spend an hour, 45 minutes in front of the oven because you're making something on the skillet, make the oven make your food. The more times that you get used to doing this, the less time you actually feel that you're cooking. And if you're like me and you live a really busy life and you want all the things done by the time the kids go to sleep and you're not that person where you want to do things after they go to sleep, have the oven make the food for you. The more times that you put like meat and veggies and, you know, just like the meal pans, the more time you do that, the less you feel like you're cooking and you can make way more, right? You can get like those big pans, right? 
you can just put a bunch of you know, a bunch of chicken tenders or a bunch of like fish sticks or whatever whatever you're making here, right? <laughs> That's really my my two cents in that because that is it's all about sustainability. It's all helping your family eat diverse in a very sustainable way, and it is not sustainable, especially if you have little. It is not sustainable to just stay in front of a stove with a fire on and you're cooking and like, oh, there's oil flashing everywhere. And listen, no, no, I cannot do that. I mentally, physically, personally, I can't do that. So I just, I have a lot of recipes that are in the oven. Okay, so back to that. That was like a quick bun. <laughs> so back to that. So you're going to do that and you can make, uh, so if you have, your local butcher, they always have like $10, 10-pound 10 bag of chicken breast. Get that and freeze it and make these chicken tenders, okay? Same thing for the fish. So get that and then freeze it because you don't have to use all of it. But, like you know, like, you know, have them. They could even do it. Ask, hey, can you pack this in like five pounds and five pounds, right? And you could use the five pounds and make like 14 chicken tenders right? Homemade chicken tenders. And they're good for snacking in the car because they're easy to eat as well, right? I'm literally stuck in talking about this chicken tender meal because words cannot express how easy this is to make. I make this so often. It is now engraved in my head. And the children know every single time I come home with a big bag of chicken breast or the fish, they're like, oh, okay, mom's gonna make, you know, the fish sticks or the chicken tenders, right? And they love it, okay? All right, so back to my, the this imaginary cooking class here uh, <laughs> as I'm acting this out. So you're going to put the meat in the broth and then the yogurt and then the breading. In the breading, you could add in salt, pepper, paprika, garlic, lemon, lemon zest if you want, right? If you're making fish, I'm trying to think of the things that, that I do. So that's, that's what happens, okay? You put it all in the oven and then you put it, depending on what kind of oven you have, I put it at around 420 for about 30 minutes. Halfway through, I flip each one because I really want that even cooking, right? So I flip each one and then I put it back in for about half hour. What I'm looking for is for a chicken or just really any poultry, so chicken, turkey, or fish. I we're looking for like the brownness around it, right? That's what we're looking for now around around it, not like through it. Okay? We don't want burnt, okay? So that so that's that. You take that out. And now you know that your kids, you know, if they're hungry and they want a snack or you're busy running to karate practice or soccer practice or whatever it may be, you can easily put that in a nice little bag or a little glass container or whatever you have, right? And they can handle that. And you're having, they're having broth. They're having broth infused chicken tenders, right? So that's really ideal. This is how simple it is to infuse broth broth is very high in colostrum and is very high in zinc is very high in selenium is very high in calcium is very high in really those those micronutrients that like i said earlier that just often get missed okay and it's so important to help their immune system that would be number one number two give them about if you're able to one time a week Sometimes too, depending on, again, this is all depending on your family and your lifestyle and all the things that you guys can do. This is such a big thing of what I preach. All these things that I do, please make them fit for your family. So one time a week, I get those big Epsom salt and baths from Amazon. I'll link them in the show notes because I have an affiliate link for that. So you have some, some percentage off for that. 
But I get these really big Epsom salt bath um, bags, okay? And they're pure magnesium Epsom salt. And I really do this one time a week. And I have both my kids just plop in, in in the bath. And I give them literally a magnesium Epsom salt bath, literally. And they already know the drill. Sometimes I'll like dry brush them, right? And I have a dry brush and we can do that, right? So you can dry brush, you could do that. Really quickly, I'm going to go get my dry brush. Really quick. We're back. <laughs> So this is my dry brush and this is the dry brush that my kids use as well. And we literally are dry brushing. And sometimes I know sometimes they're not doing it right, but this is again, something that is creating a lot of self-advocacy for them and building habits for them. Again, we are living in a brand new world and this is something that your kids will literally love to do. Like it tickles them sometimes, right? Like you guys can make it a whole thing, okay? in the back. So do that as you may really get their lymphatic system drained out because a lot of the mucus, a lot of the throat inflammation, a lot of the fatigue, a lot of the lung capacity, it, this is going to help so much. So once a week, and when I say this, including the broth, including the magnesium Epsom salt baths, if you're doing these things and you're doing them consistently, your kids are going to just get through cold faster. It's not, it's not like, like, okay, let's start doing this when they're sick. Be proactive about it. And when they do get sick, continue doing that. Plus the other things that we're about to talk about later in this episode. So yeah, so just, just doing that. Okay. The third thing is to get them quality sleep. If that means that they're sleeping a lot during the day, let them. If they are up until, you know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock because they slept through the day, I don't, I don't know if this is me, just me being a parent and knowing that this is what my kids do. <laughs> my own kids do this, uh, is when they're sick, they'll just be through the day and then they're up until like 10 o'clock. Mind you, our bedtime is anywhere between like 8.30 and 9 o'clock right now. And they wake up at 8 a.m. Okay. It's been, it's been, been, by the way, my kids used to wake up at 6.30 and 6 o'clock every single morning <laughs> my biological clock now wakes up at six and six thirty but it's so nice that now they also get to sleep but when they are when they are sick when they are when they're just not feeling themselves let them rest the resting and the knowing that hey i can do this and i don't have to push through the day and it's okay that you know i don't have to go to practice or those things there's such a strength and such a self-advocacy if we raise humans that also can do that for themselves. The more times that they can do that, and the more time that we're like, okay, just hang out, watch a movie with me. And this is literally what has happened to our kids before. They'll sleep through the whole day and they rest. And then it becomes like 10 o'clock and they're kind of not restless and they're starting to feel better, right? They're like, oh my God, it's late at night. It's like, it's like they know, even though they can't tell time, it's like they know, right? Just continue to do soothing things. Just because it's 10 or 11 o'clock and they like slept through the day or, or whatever that, that may be, continue to just do soothing things. Really ease their minds because I don't like to say that kids are, are resilient. I think kids just are like innocence is bliss. And if they are feeling even this much better, then they're going to start jumping around. They're going to start feeling restless. They're going they're going to start doing that. But it doesn't mean they just went from 100 to 0 or 0 to 100. No, this happens with days for them. Just how it happens for us, it happens for them too. They're just, their mind, their, 
the way that that a toddler or an infant or you know a, a young child the way that their brain is wired is like i'm feeling this much better so now i'm going to go run around and go crazy right like seriously <laughs> right but just just remind them hey you know what today you had a hard day read some books pop in a movie if you want yes i've said that i said i've said that watch a movie with them at the nighttime because it's soothing to them it's calming to them and watch something that is calming right they don't watch maybe i i don't know don't watch like the the tv shows are really high and like um in like colors and things like that just do things that are a little bit more relaxing right um i typically go for things like a movie and like a nice calm cartoon movie because they also forces them to follow a storyline when we follow follow a storyline they're also gaining a lot of memory they're gaining a lot of uh that proactive uh memory tools things like that plus it's soothing for them again these are things that that are soothing for them and it's keeping them engaged but not like hyper okay i think there's such a difference between keeping a child engaged and keeping them excited right excited is nothing wrong obviously but really again back to that if they are feeling rested and they know hey i'm in a household and i'm safe and i can say hey you know what i can rest today and i'm just going to go to sleep and this is what i'm going to do you know of course if they if you do contact nap that's fine if they do if they sleep in their own bed that's great right like whatever works for your family but just don't feel bad if they are if you feel like they're sleeping so much during the day and then like 10 11 o'clock at night hits and they're not sleeping or things like that don't feel bad about this. Again, we are raising people that need to become part of society. And the Tylenol and giving the Tylenol so often, that's not going to do it. It's going to hurt their gut. It's going to hurt their gut development. It's going to hurt their brain development. It's going to hurt a lot more things than just the fact that they can't deal with a cold. Okay, so that goes past it. Okay. Okay, so that was three. And then the last thing that uh, that you're going to do, and this is being proactive, plus also when they're having a cold, is uh, include turmeric. This is a big, big heck yes for us. Include turmeric. The thing about turmeric, and, and this is pure turmeric, okay, is you can add it in their milk um, after they are af after nine months old. Before then, I don't really recommend it, okay? I will tell you other things that you can do for from newborn until they are even even into adulthood, you can do this, but that'll be in a moment. But turmeric, uh, you can add it to their milk just a little, like the, the, so you know, like a spoon, right? The other end of the spoon, literally dip it in there and just put it in their milk, whether it's in their bottle or their sippy cup or a mug, doesn't matter, just a little bit. And I would play around with the time that you do it because my son, we do this, like I said, all the things that I'm telling you, we do this with our kids. And my son, we give him turmeric and he's hyper. He is hyper like can't like he's like like you know and he's not feeling well and he's just like oh my god let's do this and i'm like why are you doing this like what's going on <laughs> right uh but my daughter is not like that so she does not react like that to turmeric so i would play around so with my son we don't we give this uh we don't give him turmeric in the evening we give him in the morning literally with breakfast with my daughter we give it towards the nighttime because at nighttime is when uh, that gut microbe, uh, there's specific gut microbes that actually get increased due to the cortisol decrease. Uh, and that's why a lot of kids and even adults, sometimes we feel more sick at night. 
a lot of kids uh, maybe don't have a fever during the day and then at night they spike a fever. That is why. So that turmeric is going to help out. Okay. Okay. Now, with that being said, I'm going to talk about all the things that we do in our household and a few things that you can do uh, as a natural remedy. There is a very, very popular natural remedy that is for cough syrup. And I'm sure you've heard about it and I'm sure you've seen it. But if you haven't, I'm still going to tell you about it because, again, this is something that I do as well, and I believe in it. Is the honey with the garlic. Absolutely, 1,000%, yes. Honey with the garlic. Literally, just, ha- like, cut up some, or not even cut up. You can just put the whole cloves of garlic in there, um, and then put some honey and just kind of let it sit. And you can use that. So you're going to let it sit for, like, a few days before you add. It becomes this very syrupy-like syrup, really. So you can give that uh, two to three times a day morning middle of the day and at night you can do that that helps with phlegm it helps with lungs it helps with uh irritation in the throat it even helps with ear infections all that good stuff you can definitely do that another one that i also do that my grandma taught me is that you can actually have a whole white onion and you're going to put it in a pot that is pretty in-depth. So we're looking for more depth than um, than width for the pot. And you're going to put one whole onion in there. And you're going to put the water until it's like halfway, like halfway of the onion level. Okay, does that make sense? And you're going to let that come to a boil, but don't let it boil. Okay, so you let it come to that boil and uh, really kind of stir up that onion in there. And, uh, and then what you're going to do is put three cups of sugar. Okay. Now, if you're like, oh my God, like, why are you putting sugar? Why are you doing that? Sugar is actually what's helping in, even in Tylenol and even in Motrin, that's what's actually helping reduce the fever is the sugar. Now, the garlic with the honey, same thing. It's an antibiotic plus sugar with the honey and the sugar, antibiotic plus sugar. Okay. So onion, garlic, uh, leeks, uh, things of that nature, plus vinegar. And we'll talk about that too. Those are natural antibiotics. So you can use these, you can do this and it's okay. Depending on age, depending on, on even the child. I was a child growing up and my, my parents did this with me and I hated these things, hated them. So they couldn't give it to me three times a day. So they only gave it to me at night because I just fall asleep and like, I wouldn't have to worry about it. But when I say like, I couldn't take these things, I couldn't take Robitussin. I couldn't take the, literally throw it up. Like I just, oh no, not fun for me. So my, my parents had no choice. My parents had to give me the natural remedies. And even those ones uh, get like kind of queasy in my stomach. And I'm like, eh, I'm not feeling this, right? So we had to do that. And so my parents only gave things to me at night. So yes, did I miss school days? Yeah, absolutely. Was it fine? Yeah, absolutely. Because we have such a, such a strong immune system now, right? Again, that's the whole entire point of this is to have a stronger immune system. So when you are adult and when you do have other factories where you can't take off work, but you, you can't do these things. And they're going to live in a different, different society as us. We already live in a society where you can't take days off. You can't do this. You can't do that. They're going to live in like, they're going to work from home and they're going to still have to work. So like, at least now, depending on your job, but I feel like at least now we can be like, hey boss, I just want to stay home and like sleep all day, right? They're not going to grow up in that world. I know that as a fact. And if you ha- if you have a job like that right now, that's the same. That's what your child is going to go through. So the whole point is having and learning, teaching that immune system 
these are the things that we can do within two to three days we're gonna feel way better okay and what you're gonna do is go back to this <laughs> mix of honey onion and sugar uh so you're gonna put about three cups of sugar in there and you're gonna you're just going so no no like you're not going to turn on the, the uh, stove top anymore, nothing else. And you're just going to uh, stir it, okay? Stir it very like slowly, but gently, and it's going to become syrupy. If you want to leave it out for a few hours, if you, to have that little, you'll see, you'll see. Once you do this, it becomes this different texture, and it really looks like if you were to hold it with a swirl, it'll look very syrupy. It's going to mimic a syrup, um, almost kind of like molasses, kind of. Okay, so you can do that. And then the third thing that you can do is put vinegar in socks. So wholeheartedly serious. Vinegar in socks. I do this even now. My husband does it even now. We are grown adults, okay? We do this with our kids. Have we done this with our kids since newborn? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We have literally done this since newborn. Like our children, like, like I said, our children had ear infection. Uh, they had croup. They had, they had weird stuff. They just did. Okay, that's fine. We never gave Shadow. We never gave Shadow. We never did Motrin. We never did any of that stuff unless they had a fever for really, really high for over two days, right? So that's what we're really looking for, okay? Okay, now back to the vinegar and the socks. When I say vinegar and the socks, do it only overnight. Why? Because they're children. They still want to play, they still want to walk around. And trust me, you do not want vinegar on your carpet, or on your hardwooded floors, or on your piles. You don't. <laughs> believe, believe you me, okay? So, uh, so just do that at night, and you can do this for, you know, two nights, three nights. You can do this until they literally start feeling better. Once they start feeling better, you don't really need it, and at that point, they're going to start feeling better. So if you're doing the magnesium Epsom salts, you're doing the rough infused stuff, and you're being proactive about this. And by the time they have a cold, the the vinegar with the socks is kind of like the like cherry on top, really. And that's just going to help kick that cold or that illness a lot faster. Okay. So that is that. When I say vinegar with like on on socks, I'm not talking dip the socks in vinegar. I'm talking really just almost like sprinkle it. Okay. We put about like not even a cup of vinegar and we just kind of dip it in a little bit. We just just like the tip of of their socks and we just dip it in there and then we just kind of pat it through like that. Right. So we put the sock in like in my hand and we just like pat it through and that's it. And then at bedtime. So we do this about like 10 minutes before they literally jump into bed. Right. And so we do that and then we just put the socks on. OK, make sure that they're, you know, all cozy and comfy and stuff like that. And see, yeah, a few times, hey, you could, could probably be like, oh my God, what is this? Like, ew, wet socks, ew. But it dries really fast. Vinegar in general dries really fast. So when you have it on the socks and they have that on, just remind them this is only for like 10 minutes. And by the time you fall asleep, you won't even feel it. By the time they wake up in the morning, it'll be completely dry. It's like as if they never had it. The room, yes, might smell like vinegar, but when all when all is done, all the things that we're doing and all the things that I'm talking about right now, this is home. This beats, you know, going to the doctors and they're like, here, have antibiotics. This is the story that I want to tell you about. So my kids had ringworm this past summer. Okay. And it was actually, so I want to take completely off for two weeks and I wanted to go to a few places with my kids and really like slow down the summer. Right. And this was at the end of July, beginning of August. And they literally, 
So my like day one of my vacation started on Monday and Sunday morning, I saw my sunken with ringworm. I was like, that is not ringworm. Oh my God. And the reason I know that is because I had a ringworm when I was in gymnastics and I had warts and I had all this weird skin stuff. Cause like, hello, gymnastics, gym, germs, right? Stuff like that. So I was like, oh my God, no, 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 no. And my biggest thing, because we had just gotten our caps, the cap that you've been seeing here, <laughs> she, she, we just got her. I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And naturally as any mom, even doing what I do as any mom, I was like, I hope it doesn't spread A to the cat or B to our daughter. And our biggest thing was I was trying to keep our house just clean. Like I literally went crazy about that. I was like, oh my God, don't touch this. Don't touch that. Oh my God, you and your sister, you guys played with the same toy. What am I going to do? Oh my God, no. Telling a two-year-old, don't put that in your mouth. Don't do this. Don't do that. Right? Like all these things. And it was just ongoing. And then Thursday, so on Sunday, this happened with my son and Thursday morning, my daughter had two dots that are now a nice circle with a little dot in the middle, ringworm. I was like, oh man. And I got off Amazon, which again, I'll link on here as well. It's called Timeout. And it is literally the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I have never seen this before. I never knew about this until because Wednesday, it's like as if all the things aligned, right? Wednesday night, Thursday morning, our daughter woke up with it. Wednesday night, me and my husband, we looked and looked and searched for natural remedies and herbal remedies for sprays for ringworm. That's specifically what we looked for. And we found it and we started using it. And like within 12 hours, our son's ringworms kind of like shrink and then they start to leak because that's that phase, right? Where they like start to leak. And so I was like, oh my God, thank God. Because up until then, it was just spreading. It wasn't doing anything else. It was just spreading. And I did. I did the ringworm cream and the antifungal powder. I did that. And he just like wasn't doing it. And I was like, okay, so that's why I was like, I'm going to give it time. And this is a big thing. All illnesses with kids, give it time before you do anything else, before you put on any other creams, before you put on any other medications, before you put on or add on any other thing, just give it a little time. So I was like, okay. So one day night I saw it and I was like, I think, I think it's good. I think, I think I've had enough. I think we've had enough. I think his skin is really bad. So let's, let's have to it. Let's search what else. And so Wednesday, we found it. Thursday, around like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, it arrived and we started spraying it and everything was so much better. Ringworm um, doesn't start to go away within like two weeks from the first signs of it. And our son was almost clear by one week, by like the end of this week. So not even a full week with this, uh, with this spray. So Really recommend it. So, uh, and it's also for eczema. It's also for like uh, just other skin irritants, even psoriasis. Um, if you click on the link, you'll see what it's all about. Gives in the in the description. So that is that. And so when so Thursday it happened, da, 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 da. Friday I was like, you know what? Even if like I said, I'm a mom and I do what I do. I'm like, okay, what if we're treating this? And what if it's not ringworm? Because Here's the deal. My mind said, you know what? I want to go places. I want to, like, I am, I have cabin fever and I get it very fast. So that's why the pandemic was not that great for me. And I was like, you know what? I really want to do things. I want to go outside. I said, well, I want to know if my kids are still contagious, you know? And apparently after they leak, you're not contagious anymore, even if you still have it. So I was like, okay, but what if it's not ringworm? And you start doing you're fucking guessing yourself. You start questioning yourself. You're like, what if it's really not that? What if it's this? What if it's that? What if it's, and your mind goes into crazy spirals, right? So 
I called the pediatrician and the pediatrician, because it was Friday morning, she, I directly called, uh, I, I called the pediatrician's office and I talked to my pediatrician and, or my kid's pediatrician. <laughs> and, uh, and she was telling me, she's like, yeah, I don't know. It could be croup. It could be a uh, ringworm. It could be uh, poison ivy. And I was like, hmm, okay. So look, well, regardless of what it is, it's going away, I guess. Right. But really my concern was if they were contagious, right. And so she was like, yeah, it's really, really contagious. And actually, I really recommend antibiotics. And I was like, why? Why? Right? And she, like, couldn't give me an answer. So it was really, again, self-advocating for your child. And if the worst thing was that we couldn't leave our house for another week or no one could come over for another week, then that was it. So that's exactly what ended up happening because I did not know if my kids were still contagious or not. And so we just stayed home. We just stayed home. We had a backyard, you know, party. We put on some sprinklers and like the little, like, you know, the little like sprinkler things, like they have a little hose and whatever. And they like, it just, you know, gives up water. <laughs> things. So that's what we did. Uh, uh, we did, we tried to do things at home, keep them busy, keep them doing like, like that. But that is the reality. The reason why I'm talking about this and the reason why I'm also talking about this side, if you will, of doing things naturally is that yeah there are going to be inconveniences i'd rather pay for the inconveniences now than later this is the entire reason of how chronic illnesses are built and why it is so damn hard to reverse chronic illnesses naturally as an adult it is much easier as a child but if we already start at the root cause if we are already concentrating on being proactive with our kid and saying, hey, this sucks right now, but it's going to get a lot better when you're older. And again, all the things, and I and, and I put this very clearly, my grandma taught me that the onion, the onion syrup, that's what I call it, the onion syrup. My grandma taught me that, right? And my mom did it with me, and now I do it with my kids. My kids are going to do that with their kids. And it's all about really understanding how are we, because at the end of the day, brainwashing is going to happen no matter what. Brainwashing is going to happen. I hate to burst that bubble, but I have come to that realization and that is just reality. It's going to happen. I'd rather have them understand and know this side of health. And when they're older, they can make their own decisions. If they do want to give title to their own kids and, you know, do the thing, okay, fine. I am not God. I'm not going to judge them. Okay. That's fine. Am I going to be sad? Absolutely. But it's, it's their life and they hold that in their hand. But for now we do. And so these are the best things that I know to be true that work. And they also are way more sustainable than a lot of other things that I've been hearing on social media to do with their kids to increase their immune system. Right? So, so I want to recap real quickly because I know this has been a little bit longer than usual. So first and foremost, if you are doing the multivitamin, try to do at least the vitamins that are a little bit more specific. And if you have questions about that, please message me. I'll more than happy be to answer those questions for you. That can get a little bit complicated. The broth and eating a diverse uh, uh, menu and being proactive about eating a diverse menu, even if you have picky eaters, include the broth. Again, broth is so, so good and all the micronutrients that very often we have an absence of because we live in the world that we live in today. And then uh, get, give them rest and give them that safe place to rest. Uh, so that was that. 
And then uh, also being able to to do the natural remedies, right? So the honey with the garlic or the onion with the sugar, right? Um, really create your own uh, fever reducing at home. It works better. It works faster anyways. Um, and then also the vinegar with the socks. And check out the show links uh, for all the Amazon links. So we have the magnesium extra salt link and also the timeout spray um time like the herb time uh so yeah that's that i love i love the play on words there these are the, yeah that's the message for today really is that let's once we know better let's do better let's create a generation that yes even if there is more illnesses even if there is different germs out there even if there's brand new viruses we are still helping their immune system and we can be proactive about it all right guys thank you guys for uh tuning in and i'll see you guys on the next show or next episode <laughs> See you guys. Bye.